Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Entrepreneurial Podcast with your host, Jeff Lopes. Jeff has over two decades' experience as a serial entrepreneur, building brands like KimuraWare from his home basement to a multi-million dollar global brand that has sold over a quarter million pairs of boxing gloves. Jeff's here to educate, guide, and drive you on the process of bringing your ideas and dreams to reality with the inspiring stories from some of the top business minds. Welcome to episode 152 of the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lope. Super excited to have on today Brian Scudamore, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Great interview, great conversation. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lope. Super excited to have on today Brian Scudamore. What is up, brother? Hey, good to meet uh, another Canadian virtually and uh, chat are about you, business and life. Are you, are you currently in BC or are you in the US right now? I'm in BC. I'm in Whistler, BC. So in the mountains, not quite that shot in the background here, but uh, I'm, you know, right at the bottom of the the mountain and can't wait for ski season. I love it. I love it. I love it. Proud Canadian. What age did you move to Canada? Because I I, I was reading that you were born in the US. What age did you move to Canada? Yeah, I was born in San Francisco. My mother remarried when I was seven and we moved to Canada uh, then. So Vancouver has always been home. I, I've lived in England for a couple of years. I lived in uh, Sweden for a short period of time, but Canada is my home. I'm a, I'm a Canadian. I've spent way more of my life in Canada, even though I still have a lot of family in the United States. I love it. I love it. You know what? Let's 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 go down that road. Give me give me Brian as a child. Where did you grow up? Like about your child, how many siblings you had? Like mm-hmm. Canadian? Did you have the whole Canadian experience? Ball hockey? Like gets, plus, give me a little rundown of, of Brian growing up. Yeah. So single mom uh, raised me till I was say seven yeah. and uh, she remarried. She married a doctor from Canada. We moved up to Canada. So I grew up just having my mom and I be really, really close. Yeah. And um, when my dad came into my life and adopted me, that was pretty special to kind of have a bigger family, but no siblings, no siblings until my uh, parents had my brother uh, when I was 15. So big age difference. Yeah. Big and age difference. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I had always loved business for some reason as a kid. So as a kid, I was the kid that was starting car washes outside my house for money, charging two bucks a pop. Yeah. I would start a, a school store selling candy out of my dorm room in uh, high school one year. I always had this vibe for business. And I think I got that from my, my grandparents in San Francisco. They owned an army surplus store. And it was in a dodgy area of town. And I used to go down there and it was a big adventure. I'd go work every summer, every Christmas vacation. And I loved how they served customers and took care of people. And it was a lot of fun. And it just inspired me to want to get into that game of business. To me, business feels so much like a game. You set goals, you win, you build a team. And I've uh, I've loved it every, every moment. I, I was a very AD, well, still am, very ADD type kid in school. So from kindergarten to uh, college, I went to 14 schools, partially because we moved around, partially because I'd get kicked out of school for not being a great kid and skipping school. But 14 schools, the only diploma I have, true story, is kindergarten. Never finished high school, talked my way into college, never finished college. I was running 1-800-GOT-JUNK, and I was learning more about business by running one 
versus studying in school and decided, okay, I'm done. This is what I'm doing full time. And here we are today. I love it. I love it. I mean, I've been, uh, I'm 44. I've been self-employed. Started my first company at 17. I've been self-employed since I was 19. So I've never worked for nobody either in my whole life. So it's a, it's a, it's a different mindset, right? And it's that adventure every day of what not to expect. There's one thing you said there, and I wasn't going to even get into it, but we'll go back to your story. I love what you said. And it's something a lot of people have a different understanding with when you're running a business with your employees, do you run it as a team or do you run it as a family? And I love how you talked about team. That's something I'm very passionate about is running as a team, almost like a sports team. You have your different lines, different contributors. Talk more about that because I think that's something you could add a ton of value of how you run your team. Yeah, so we've got a big team now. We've got 600 people across Vancouver and Toronto, our two offices. We're in three countries with our three brands. So 1-800-GOT-JUNK, the, the first baby in the family. Yeah. We've got Wow One Day Painting, where we flash mob paint people's homes in a day. And then Shack Shine, windows, gutters, power washing, and Christmas lights. Yeah. Each of those brands requires us to have a head office team. And the team is run very much like a sports team. Yeah. We have a daily huddle every single day, except weekends, every single day at 10.55 a.m., the entire company comes together. And on Zoom, it's very easy. And you've got to scroll through pages and pages of people. But we've got a structure for sharing how we're winning, sharing good news, what we can celebrate, sharing where we're stuck and how a play has to adjust. So it is finding the right people who fit the team and add to the team. But then it's what are our goals? What are our themes for the quarter? Everything is very much like sports. And what I love about it is it, just, it makes it fun. Yeah. It makes the day-to-day journey of business exciting and fun. We set these big goals and uh, we work together as a team to make them happen. So, you know, I can see behind your right shoulder there, Oprah on your, your wall. Yeah. So I got to meet Oprah. We got to be on the Oprah Winfrey show. Because we had a goal to get 1-800-GOT-JUNK on the Oprah Winfrey show, it was a team-driven goal, and it was a team-driven celebration. It felt like the team won. It felt yeah. like, look what we accomplished. Yeah. And I think that's so important as a, as a leader is how do, you, how do you fire people up towards a common goal and a common vision in yeah. the same way that you'd win in sports? I love that. I love that. Now, let's go back to, and there's a question I want to have for you. You said you're a high school. It was a high school dropout. Yes. High school and college. So let's start with high school. Yeah. Coming now, obviously you said you, you're, you, you're, um, your stepdad adopted you and, and, and having obviously a higher education as a doctor, where was, mm-hmm. where was your mindset of your parents when that happened? You know, my parents were always very hopeful. I think, especially my dad, that I would go and take a lot of college become something academic, who knows? I mean, deep down, I think my dad, like most parents, just want your kids to be happy, but they want them to be successful. And to me, the way my dad defined success, because he had gone that path, was study a lot in school. So I remember as a kid, uh, I grew up both uh, celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah based on my family. And I remember when I'd get Hanukkah money or Christmas money, it was this, my dad would say, when you write your thank you cards, tell them what you're going to do with the money. And it was always his idea, not mine. I'm saving the money for university. I'm going to save the money for college. And I'm thinking as a kid, I'm like, I'm not saving this for college. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go buy records. I'm going to go buy clothes, whatever it is. But I felt like I had to say that. And that was his dream, not mine. So when I dropped out of school, you can imagine my dad is like, what are you doing? You're leaving university to become a full-time junk man. I had a year left in college. 
my dad's belief was just finished. You've got one more year. Yeah. And I said, but this business opportunity might not be there if I wait a year longer. I was learning more running my business than I was studying in school. So I, you strike while the iron's hot. So that business all started in college. And I mean, I mean you've, I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but let's just give a little rundown. So you started that in college. Did you have a partner or is this all on your own? So I, I did have a partner after I started. So I started actually before college. Okay, did. So I started as a way to pay for college. I didn't finish high school. Yeah. I needed the money to go because I talked my way into college. Yeah. I'm good at, you know, as a salesperson, <laughs> talking my way into things. I don't have a di- diploma in grade 12, but come on, let me in. And yeah. they did. I had to find the money and I was in a McDonald's drive through of all places. I see this beat up old pickup with plywood sides and it said Mark's hauling on the side. And I looked at that truck and I'm like, I am going to haul junk. That's going to fund my college education. And it did. Yeah. But then that's where ironically, I was learning more by, by running the business during college than studying in college. And I, I dropped out. Yeah. Oh, and you asked about a partner. I did have a partner a couple of different times. I brought in a partner as a friend. I wanted the camaraderie of working with somebody, not doing it alone. I had so much to learn and it takes courage starting a business, especially when you're 18 years old and in my early twenties. And so I had partners, you know, I figured out a way to buy them out of the business at some point. How long did you have the partner in there for? Uh, I had one for probably a couple of years. Yeah. And it was when I left school, when I left college, uh, he came into the business with me and we were going to do big things and we had fun together, but two very different agendas. He wanted to ski a lot more. He had a new girlfriend. There were all sorts of things going on. And it just, as a 50, 50 partner, you end up resenting. You're like, why am I doing all the work? Yeah. And so we were able to figure out a way to cut, cut the deal down and, and, and get him out. And, you know, he was, thankfully he was low. He was, he was understanding that it was my business that I started, yeah, that I yeah. brought him in. And, you know, he said, you deserve to keep the business. And so. And what about your second time you had a partner? The second time was actually, it was, it was prior. So that was oh, the, second time. the first time it was on a very casual basis. It was, a, I don't even think we ever had a shareholders agreement yeah. and we just ran the business together. And it was more like having an employee who felt like an owner and wasn't really making a ton of decisions. So. Um, yeah, just, I ended it and and we were able to stay friends, thankfully, which was good. Where, where's your but, mindset with partnerships? And I'm going to tell you, I'll ask, I'll tell you why I'm asking that after. I just want to see with your mindset with partnerships. And I, yeah, you know, I think that they can be a challenge. I think that people often get into them for the wrong reasons. Yeah. If people get into a partnership, knowing what they're really looking for and what they're trying to complement, then that's different. So today we've got a, a management company where we've brought some people into it as employees who have some equity in that. Yeah. Because we know that we need them long-term to continue to play a really important role in the business. And so it's, it's different, but I think early days people, I I think part of why most partnerships would fail is that they people, or let me say, rephrase that the partnerships that do fail, I bet most of them are from people getting into a partnership for the wrong reason, not having clear expectations, not understanding what they're really trying to fill. And a lot of people look for friendship. They want someone to do it with. Yeah. And I don't think you need a partner for that. I think you can hire employees, treat them really, really well and get that same care and attention from them. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've had a few ventures with, in, with partners and um, the few ventures I've had with partners, they haven't worked out because it wasn't the partnership. It was the family involvement, the other family involvement in the partnership. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've been married for 18 plus years. My wife, um, she stays clear of my business. She does. She has her own life. She's very independent. She has her nine to five. She, she wants that structure in her life. And I appreciate that independence. So, and mm-hmm. then having a partner where, the other spouses are very heavily involved. It just, it changes the whole dynamic when, when you're starting it. So uh, my partnership never worked out. And, um, but uh, you always hear great stories of partnership. Like I said, if you come in with the same expectations, understandings, I'm sure it could work out if you both from the beginning. Right. So I appreciate that. So 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It's when you first started the company, where was your mindset? Did you see vision it growing to this way? Or is it, when did, when, when was that peak moment after war? Was there a peak moment? It was like, okay, this is a lot bigger than I originally thought it would could be. Yeah. I think I always had these mini visions. Like I see a truck and it's a way to pay for college. Yeah. And then in college and I drop out and I go, now I want to build a bit of a bigger business throughout Vancouver and, and see if I can build a, a, a lifestyle and start making some serious money, you know, and then it started to grow beyond that. It was like, well, maybe I can expand into another market like Victoria down to Seattle into the United States and yeah. maybe the franchise model. So the vision progressed. I think the big turning point for me was I was at a million in revenue. I was eight years into the business. So it took a long time to get yeah. to that first million, but I sat down at my parents' dock They had this little cottage, summer cottage on the water. And I pulled out a sheet of paper, one page, double-sided, and I started to fill it up. And I, it came out of a period where I was in a bit of a doom loop. I joined the entrepreneur organization. I saw these other entrepreneurs that were much bigger, had more glamorous businesses than mine. And I was comparing myself to others, which is a terrible thing to do. And I was feeling crappy. So a bit of a downward spiral. And I thought, okay, I took a retreat to my parents' cottage. I pull out the sheet of paper and I said, what does pure possibility look like? What if I could build something? What if my education or lack of it or lack of money wasn't an obstacle? And I started writing. I said, we will be in the top 30 metros in North America. There's 30 cities in North America, bigger than Vancouver. So I said, top 30 metros will be the FedEx adjunct removal with clean, shiny trucks, friendly uniform drivers will be on the Oprah Winfrey show. I started to envision all these big things. And I took that sheet of paper and that was a real moment. That painted picture I would share with others and people would say, you know, wow, Brian, this is really, really cool. This is exciting. Or, you know, half the group uh, of employees were like, ah, you're smoking some hope dope. Good luck with this. Like, you're not going to be on Oprah. You're not going to be in the top 30 metros. And those people left the company in pretty short order. Yeah. But the people that believed said, Brian, I don't know how we're going to get there, but we're going to get there. And we did. By the end of 2003, we hit exactly 30 metros. We did get on Oprah. We did have clean, shiny trucks. And it was that vision for the future, my painted picture, that someone could say, well, how did you crystal ball all that? I just imagined what the future could look like. And then I rallied a team of believers who said, yes, we're going to make this happen. You know, I look at the people behind you and, uh, you know, Einstein and Steve Jobs. I mean, very vision driven people that had a clear place they were going to go to, even if they didn't know how to get there. It was through people figuring out how to get there. I love I love another thing you've did there is is I think a lot of business owners fail because they don't hold themselves accountable. And I think setting goals like that and telling people and setting a team around, and now you have accountability to get there. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I love that aspect of the accountability aspect of it. So from that venture on, um, through that period, did you ever, were you, are you currently married? Mm-hmm. I am. So you, were you, when did you get married? Let's, let's talk about your personal life a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, uh, I was married. I was with the same woman from high school, sweetheart from 16 to 34, call it a okay. long time, 18 years, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like you, we, we had a baby together and we decided it wasn't the yeah. right long-term fit. And so we co-parented, we stayed best of friends, which is awesome. Uh, her husband, new husband is my ski buddy and the whole bit. And so everything <laughs> worked out remarkably well, yeah. but uh, it was just, you know, growing up and you go through changes and all that sort of stuff. But my, uh, my, I hate calling her an ex cause she's such a good friend, but yeah. my ex was such a supporter of the business and helping me get to where I was always a big cheerleader and fan of, of the business. And so when you, you surround yourself by people who believe in you yeah. and believe in the business, because as an entrepreneur, it's hard. Sometimes you get lonely and you're like, Oh man, yeah. can I do this? Yes, you can. And you need those cheerleaders. I love it. How old is your daughter now? Uh, my oldest, I've got three kids. My oldest is 17. And your youngest? Nine. Nine, nine. And your middle one then? Uh, 14. 14. So very close to me. My, my, my kids are uh, 13 and 15. So it's, it's a fun yeah. age right now. It's a fun age. So with your business now, so you're, you're, I love that you've you've honed and 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 obviously business wise, I'm sure because you are expanding to the U.S. So you got so big into the U.S. Um, that you've kept your Canadian roots and you and you're a proud Canadian and you love your Vancouver and all that stuff. Sure. What does Canada mean to you? And I remember asking me this, and it's funny because I just had on the other day, um, I haven't released it, is um, another Canadian. Obviously, he's living in the U.S. now, but he's he's very proud with his roots. Is uh, Tommy Chung. And I had him on the other day and it was just a crazy, crazy conversation. But uh, what does Canada mean to you? Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Canada to me is, you know, so I've got lots of American family and friends yeah, yeah. and uh, one of my American friends in, in New York, another entrepreneur bought me a t-shirt with a Canadian flag and it says, sorry, because Canadians are so apologetic, you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And, uh, you know, Canada's different, you know, while I've got my U S and my Canadian experience, I think Canadian Canada feels a little more united, you know, we're, we're rule followers, we often sit there and go, okay, like this is just what we got to do as a country to, to yeah. push through. We're not all united, but I look at the United States and it, it feels more divisive, uh, divisive than, yeah. than it, it, it needs to be or than yeah. anyone yeah. would want I, it. To I be. agree with um, that. Yeah. So I think Canada is just a little more uh, together feeling. And, um, and then of course, all the things that I love, like, hockey and the snow and skiing and maple syrup and all those, you know, traditional Canadian things. Right. But I just, 
I have an attachment to both countries, but Canada is where I've spent, you know, from what, seven to 51, uh, you know, almost 50 years, I guess. Right. Getting yeah, up there. Yeah. And I just, it's my home. It's, it's my kids are all Canadian and it's I love it. where I grew up. Hockey. So I'm assuming you're a Vancouver Canuck fan. You know what? I, I am. I'm a bandwagon guy, like when they're doing well and they're in the playoffs <laughs> or the Stanley Cup finals, like that's all amazing. But uh, but I grew up playing ball hockey, like you talked about. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you always would go in a back lane and set up your net and, yeah. and a car comes, car, you move it. <laughs> it was fun. It was a great childhood, huh? When you think of all oh, that yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. And hockey cards. Like, I was so into hockey cards. It's funny because I just got back into sports cards as an investment the last year and a half, just grading yeah. cards. And it's uh, it's just fun because that was essentially my first side hustle was when I was 12, 13 years old. My dad used to drop me off at a sports card convention or show every weekend. Yeah. And I would go in with like 25 bucks and come back with 100 bucks, buy packs, trade, sell. And that was my oh, little... And, and so it was a big part of my childhood and we're roughly, I mean, very close in age. So yeah, that was a big, I mean, back when we were kids, that was a huge thing, those sports cards and, and oh, yeah. all that stuff. No, it was a big thing for me. It was one of my side hustle, hustles as well. When I went yeah. to school in Montreal, I went to Concordia University. Yeah. And I remember they had these French upper deck hockey cards Yeah, yeah. and upper deck was, uh, you know, sort of the brand at the time. And because they were only in Quebec, they were considered rare. Yeah. And people in the United States wanted these French cards. So I'd buy them by the caseload and I'd sell them to people in the United States. And I sold $60,000 worth of hockey cards Crazy, uh, huh? in one year of university. Yeah, it was so fun. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about your two, I guess, under your umbrella company. Um, wow, one day painting. Where, where did that all start? Where did that all come to about? How did that all come to about? Yeah, it was... 22 years into the business of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And yeah. I thought, you know, I was looking for something else we could apply our learning to yeah. something fresh. We were essentially sold out of franchises for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And I thought there's got to be another opportunity. And so it was serendipity. I was uh, looking to get my house painted. I got three quotes. I didn't know anybody out there in the business. So friends referred some people from Facebook okay. and First two came in, cigarette smoke, showed up late. They were exactly what I would have expected in the industry. Yeah. But the third guy, Jim, comes in and he goes, my competitive advantage is my quality's great. My pricing's great. Everything's the same as everyone. But what makes me stand out? I'll get your home done in a day. It's essentially a flash mob painting of your house. It's not rushed. There's no compromise in quality. If you've got seven rooms in your house, then you one or two people in each room. It's just coordinated. Yeah. It's planned. It's a project. And I thought, okay, we'll, we'll try them out. So at the end of the day, I show up on painting day at 6 30 PM. And he was right. They did the whole house molding floor from floor to ceilings, molding trim, everything it was immaculate. Some walls needed three coats. And I was just like, this is unbelievable. And I said, have you ever tried to franchise this? He said, yes, but it doesn't work. So, well, let's have a beer. I think maybe I can help. And uh, we partnered and I eventually bought the company and I rebranded it as his company was called One Day Painting. And I called it Wow One Day Painting because that's the feeling I felt when I walked in the front door. Oh, and it's been unbelievable. We're a $50 million business uh, and and growing. I mean, where 1-800-GOT-JUNK is, is a half a billion dollar business. Yeah. I do believe that Wow One Day, through our franchise model of finding people that want to build these empires, they'll overtake 1-800-GOT-JUNK at some point. So this is also a franchise model. Yeah, all our businesses, all three of them are franchised. And 
what we love is giving people a proven recipe. Yeah. Some people like you and I have started businesses from scratch and plenty of people go that route and they want to make the mistakes and learn and figure it out and tweak. But it took me eight years to get to a million in revenue with my 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Yeah. My first franchise owner, Paul in Toronto, did a million in revenue in his first year. His first full calendar and, and, year. And this is the wow. The this wow is 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, crazy. So which is took crazy. me eight years. He yeah. did it in a year because we had all the systems and processes to say, here's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the the magic of a franchise, right? I mean, it's just, it takes that entrepreneur all the all the, the guesswork out of it. Right. I mean, and, and there, there's people that are cut to be entrepreneurs, other people that are cut for the franchise, which I love. So from there, Shack Shine, what is that? So Shack Shine is windows, gutters, power washing, and Christmas lights. We call it the house detailing business. So if you look at people detail their cars, yeah, why not detail your home, right? Wash yeah. the outside of the house, clean the windows, do the gutters, put up Christmas lights at Christmas. It's been uh, a really, really neat business. And uh, one of the things that I'm most excited about is the, the Christmas lights. Like you cannot walk away from a Christmas light install without the family just going, wow, twinkle, sparkle and glow. This is amazing. And, and it's, uh, it's a really special business and it's a very busy business. So yeah. you take the time of year when you're not as busy washing someone's windows and power washing because of the weather, yeah. but you're putting up Christmas lights. It goes so well together. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So this is obviously when did this come about or this 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 company? Shack Shine has been, I think, maybe six years. And how many franchises do you guys have out already? Uh over 50. You're and growing. You're doing amazing, buddy. Congratulations. I love it. I no, honestly, fun. I I I'm one of those entrepreneurs. I when I hear stories of success like this, it just puts a smile on my face, right? So it's just it's it's amazing what you've accomplished and and how you've accomplished it. And, and you're obviously very, um, you're it's just, you're down to earth. You're, you're Canadian. You're Canadian, Canadian as soon as you get it. You're just polite. You're nice. You came on for, for, for our listeners. And we have a good list of good following. And I mean, when Brian came in, the first thing he did was it was, it was talk about my dad and just a good person just put a smile on my face. So I, I, man, I, I appreciate this. What is, I'm going to change it up. Where does, what does fatherhood mean to you? Uh, fatherhood is a, it's a type of leadership. Yeah. I think it's how do you lead and inspire your kids? So something I've never asked any of my three kids is what they want to be when they grow up. Yeah. I I want them. I mean, I know what I want them to be is be happy, but it's, that's all I care about. So how do I help them discover their dreams, their goals? So I'll talk about vision. I'll talk about, big ideas and dreaming and, and things, but I I've never asked them what they want to be because I want them to focus on just as they grow up being exposed to opportunities. And so, you know, my daughter and I walking through, you know, a dodgy end of town on Christmas, giving out gift packages to people that don't have a home, you know, that teaches them something, right. Yeah, or we went and helped build a school in Kenya. We did a trip to India, India. It's, taking them out of their comfort zones to try new things, they'll find their own path and I can help guide them. So fatherhood to me is, is a type of leadership. How do you keep them safe, but help teach them, help them grow as human beings and help them dis- discover what, what's their gift in life. Let's, let's talk about that. So when, when did you go to Kenya for that with your daughter? How long ago was that? 
uh, went with t- my two oldest kids. So we were, they were seven and nine. That's, and that's, we were, that's a big adventure for a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. Oh yeah. No, we were in the middle of the Masai Mara. Like we were in the bush. You were. And, huh? Yeah, it was, we were in tents and, uh, how, how many, how, how long, how long you guys were there for? We were there for probably 10 days. That's a we big, that's a big adventure for like, I mean, I, I mean, for oh, a teenage you know, for, for a seven and nine, that's, that's, that's yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. When you're walking out in the bush, yeah, you're surrounded by zebras and lions and elephants. Like, no, it's, it's a big adventure in many ways. Like the, the little plane that we took from Nairobi, the big city to get there or the, just the type of food, how different it was and just the people. And I mean, but it, they, they talk about it forever. It oh, inspired yeah. them beyond. Now I'm very grateful that we could afford to do a trip like that. Let's face it. Not everybody gets to take their kids yeah. to Africa. Um, but it's a gift that they will always remember. Yeah. And uh, it'll have an impact on their lives. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. So with all your franchises, is there anything else in the pipeline or is this, do you going to stick to these three and continue the growth of these three? Yeah. You know, there's nothing in the pipeline right now. There will be a fourth brand one day, I'm sure, but it's, it's being ready. It's a, it's like the analogy of kids. I mean, is there a right time to have a third kid, a fourth kid, right? You know, there's never yeah. any perfect time, but you want to be sort of prepared and ready. Yeah. It can be overwhelming running three businesses and they are like kids where Shat Shine is the baby in the family. 1-800-GOT-JUNK is the teenager and uh, they go through different things. There's some bumps in Shat Shine that we need to iron out in terms of some missing systems. And so it it keeps it exciting that they're all different, but the time to bring on the fourth has to be right. And we're not there yet. I'm going to ask you a question and we're in the process right now of um, doing a a little one of our vacation homes, doing a, a, a gut reno and with the construction industry or paint industry or any type of industry like that right now, um, finding quality workers is a struggle. Is that yeah. something your franchises are going through right now? Well, the whole planet's going through it. Yeah. yeah. It's very difficult. Now, you probably remember the dot-com heyday and everyone yeah. was losing employees and everyone was getting yeah, double the salary to come over here. Yeah. It's temporary. It's the world's going to figure it out. COVID has made it partially what it is today and yeah, we'll get through it, but it's, it's definitely a short term hurdle. People are talking about right now, this great resignation. And I'm like, let, let's not make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let's yeah, talk about that. the great progression. Yeah. Let's talk about how to help our people grow within our business. If we can versus them having a reason to have to leave. And you don't want to just talk yourself into it's okay that we lose all these people and keep losing people um, or how difficult it is to find people, but we know it's temporary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Because all your, your, I mean, you talk about 1-800-GOT-JUNK, the paint and all that. There are industries right now where, like I said, that when you talk to other entrepreneurs that run small, even if it's a small mom pop, that's, that's, I mean, employees are the biggest struggle. It doesn't matter what business you are. I mean, that's something where if you're a billion dollar company or mom and pop shop employee, employment is always something that everybody struggles with because just matters industry, the turnover rate. So yeah, I just wanted to ask you that because it's something that we've been talking about lately. It's just finding 
workers that want to do the worker. And they, it seems like everybody's either over busy now because the demand because of COVID mm-hmm. or people just don't want to work period. So you're they have that, 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 that it's balancing a, act right now. It's a challenging time. And we're just, you know, with, with our people, our franchise partners, we, while we don't have the answers there, they might be wanting and looking for, it's just be extra appreciative and grateful of everyone you have right now. Um, build a great culture, just do everything you can to treat your people right. Yeah. And that will attract other people. I mean, that's always been our belief. People often say in a business, oh, the customer is king or queen. Like they're always right. To me, it's the people yeah. are the, the king and queens. Yeah, it's I love that. take care of your people and they will take care of the customer. Take care of your customers and they will take care of the growth, the profits, the reputation, and, and so on. So for us, that's certainly been our secret sauce, if there ever is one, is just taking care of our people, finding the right people and treating them right. And I'm pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised right now, some of the people that are sticking with us in our business, yeah. and there are opportunities out there for people to make a lot more money. But they're going, you know what? I can't be bought. I want to be here. Yeah, I, I you've that. been good to me. And we're gonna do this together. And um, there's something. There's pretty- something. There's something about loyalty. There's something yeah. about loyalty that's so special. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I love that part of it. So, with everything that's happening right now, like I said, um, with the business and all that, one thing that I've when I just took a look at your like your social media and everything, um, you're really good at the self branding. And, and branding yourself. And that's one thing as an entrepreneur years ago, I was always hesitant to do. I was always, I never wanted to be the fit. Like I, I, we have a couple of companies, I have Camorra where we're, we've been running for 16 years out of Toronto, Canada. I have a, and I've always never wanted to be the face of the company because I always wanted to look at the exit strategy if everyone was there. And the last year and a half, I've really honed on to, I got to self-brand myself. I got to build my self-image. I got to spill, I got to mm-hmm. get on podcasts. You're great at that. Where was your, have you always had that mindset of the self-branding and understanding of putting yourself as the face of the company? No. And, and it's interesting because the way I see it, it, it isn't about me, but I get to be the voice of the businesses. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying it's a negative thing. I think it's a positive no. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's no, positive. For, yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I guess my, my comment is I never wanted to be the face of the company. That wasn't important to me to have that feeling, yeah. but enough people in my business would say, we're making a difference. When I write the book, WTF, Willing to Fail, and I share that with others. Yes, it's my book, but it's our stories. It's our inspiration that we're putting out there to show people, how do you create a vision, your painted picture? How do you build and grow a great culture, whatever it might be? And so I've done hundreds of podcasts, but it's, I get to be the one to share our stories. The the biggest podcast we were ever on, Guy Raz, How I Built This. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's the number one business podcast out yeah. there. It's so fun. But I, I always said the one thing I didn't like about that episode is I wish it was called How We Built This, because I never feel it really is me. Like I, I get to play a tiny, tiny little part in this business with so many amazing people working together as a family, as a team. Yeah. So that's where I wrestle a little bit with being the face of the company. People think that I might be getting more credit than than is due, or they might think that I want more credit yeah. than I. But it, it, it's not that. It's I get to be the messenger to say, "Look at all the great things our people are doing, and look at how much we love what we're doing every day." 
Have you ever been approached or had that mindset of uh, trying to get on Dragon's Den? Yeah, I um, actually uh, interviewed for Dragon's Den. Uh, Yeah, so when it first came out, before they had filmed a single episode. Yeah. And I lost out to uh, Jim Trevelling, who is the Boston pizza guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I had no idea what that show would, was going to become. Um, The the branding power of that show is incredible. Oh yeah, no, it's amazing. So Robert Herjavec, who was one of the dragons and then shark tank, and I've gotten to be, you know, we built up a bit of a friendship and spent some time together and, the fame that guy has. Oh, it's incredible. Like, dancing, has, dancing to the stars. Like it's just, it just, it's just, it's a whole bit. That's how he met his wife. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting that he, that show just propelled his business, but he did it not because he wanted fame. He did it because he wanted to grow his business yeah. and he saw it as a great way to do so. But I think it led to more fame than he might've imagined. He said, you know, he can't go to a restaurant in the United States and not have someone come up and go, can we take pictures? Can you sign autographs? This and that. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, he he says, you know, people just don't do that. They won't come up to you. He says that it happens every day in the U.S. It never happens in Canada. It's just a, a different culture, right? Interesting, interesting. I wouldn't even, th- yeah, I wouldn't even put that that thought process. But yeah, it's interesting. But it's yeah, it's just crazy. It's just it's just the value. Even even people that do pitches, like, I mean, as an entrepreneur and understanding the marketing value of something, where somebody's on there for whatever two minutes or five minutes like the dollar value on that pitch is incredible oh yeah just incredible incredible i'm gonna ask you one last question if something were to happen to you today and i always ask this is one question i ask all my guests at the end of our episodes if something were to happen to you today in a few words how would you want to be remembered or described by your loved ones Hmm, good one um well you know so i i am a big i always wear when i'm on podcasts or zoom, I wear hats. And so I've got different brands or different sayings on them. Right. And one of them says it's all about people. And for me, I would want to be remembered both family and business as someone who cared about people who really believe that it's all about people finding the right people and treating them right. I want us to be remembered or me to be remembered, I guess, as a company leader that our business was special. It wasn't about the money. It was about the growth of people. It was about taking care of people and creating opportunity, making magic together. And uh, yeah, so I think just being remembered as, you know, my, my why I believe is inspiring big possibilities, just imagining big possibilities and inspiring others to do the same. So if people inside my business or outside my business are inspired to think about bigger possibilities, that would be that would be one thing. I love that, and I love how you keep using the word "we" or "ours." It's it's always a collaboration of everybody as as one, which I love that, totally. and, and it comes so natural to you. So it, it's obviously this is from the heart. So I love that. Yeah. This has been it, awesome, it's Brian. How I, it's how I feel. I mean, I, I, I know really, you can tell that. You know, like again, that, that's where I struggle with the face of the company thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, I get that I need to do it as part of my job, but I'm trying to represent all of our people. When I get messages, random question. Were you the voice of all the uh, radio ads? That's me. I love it. I love it. One of my employees was asking that. He's looking over at me right now. He was asking yeah. that. Just right with the voice. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. All you have to do is point. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it, it's funny because Roy Williams, the wizard of ads who does all our radio creative, yeah. 
he's like, Brian, I'm writing these, but you have to be the voice of it. And I'm like, I don't want to be the, vo-. like, I mean, it, it's meant doing hundreds and hundreds of yeah. commercials, but we yeah. found a system and it works, but I had to trust him and, and it's fun. My, yeah. my, uh, my kids will make fun of me when they hear the ads and yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. This has been awesome, brother. Anything you want to leave with our audience? This is great. This is just a lot of fun. I, I love being here. And, you know, if anyone wants to connect on social media, if there was an idea or thought that I shared that resonated, or you want to reach out, go to app Ryan Scudamore on any of the social medias. And it's just, I think being an entrepreneur and starting a business or being involved in a business is so much fun. Yeah. And uh, whenever every anyone wants to talk about it, it's uh, an exciting, uh, exciting day. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Great to be here. That's a wrap for today. I want to thank our guest, Brian, for taking time out of his incredibly busy schedule to be a guest on the Jeff Nozine podcast. What a great conversation. If you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I have, like all weeks, tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word. We're trying to build something special here. Leave a review. Five stars would be absolutely amazing. We love taking time reading all the reviews. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward. <laughs>